0: Okay, and uh, so he says, well, thanks, I'm going. I hear that big Jake's coming into town. I don't want to get involved in all trouble, so off he goes. Uh, who, who's the big Jake in your life? The person, well, where he is, you don't want to go. Um, the sort of person he is, you don't want to meet him. And um, The sort of things he's involved with, you don't want to get involved with either. I did ask some of you, um, well, I asked someone to ask some of you, could you write down on a bit of uh, overhead transparency the names of people in the Bible who God sent to places they didn't want to go, mixed with the sort of people they didn't want to mix with, and get into circumstances they'd rather be somewhere else. Here's your results. There's quite a few. And um, actually, I was given one more. I did promise I would write it up because you've all been having ideas since you came in. I hadn't thought of this one, but the wise men. There may have been three of them, there may have been more, but they ended up having to do a different thing. And, uh, yeah, there's quite a few of them. And then one wag, um teenager typically, said, how about the Israelites? Now, there's a few million you can put on the list. and uh, It is big. Actually, if you look in your Bible, most of the people... Were given circumstances they didn't want, and there's one that no one's written down. We're going to look at him today. He's somebody called Ananias, and uh, excuse me, you're using old technology. It, it does work. I am a bit clumsy. The computer has its advantages. It's not clumsy, but this usually works until the bulb goes. Okay, so to put you in the context, Saul has been a nasty person, a bit of a big Jake. Just read it to you. Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priests and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So, never mind about Big Jake, this is a real person. This is Big Saul, and he's coming to town, to Damascus, and I think a lot of people would have wanted to get out of town. So let's see what happened to this man, Ananias. This is a lovely thing you can do with a computer. With You can't with a computer so easily. You can move it up. So, verse 10... There was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, do you ever get jealous of people who say, oh, I met an angel. Fantastic. Oh, God spoke to me. He gave me these words. I think, cool, I wish I could have that experience. Those experiences, the supernatural experiences, often come with a bit of a price tag. I mean, take angels in the Bible. Most of the people who met an angel in the Bible, they either fainted or they were knocked for six. Or well, what was the first thing an angel says whenever he appears to anybody? Yeah. You got it, yeah. It does come with a bit of a price tag. And many people who have a vision of God or Jesus, next thing you know, they're knocked unconscious or they just can't cope. They say, oh, no, take it away. And this vision is going to come at a price for Ananias. Let's look at verse 11. Oh, sorry, verse 10. He says Ananias, and Ananias says, Yes, Lord, he's ready for it. I think if he knew what was coming in verse 11, Ananias might have wanted the story to stop there. Okay, Lord, I'll take the blessing, but let's not come to the cost of it. Verse 11 and 12. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Um, I have two thoughts on that. Firstly, I'm, if I was in Ananias' place, well, what would I feel? The uh, first point I'd make to God is, God, my name is not Ananias. My name's Graham. I'm not going to Straight Street to place my hands on him. So that lets me off the hook. And secondly, Lord, I do have a medical problem. Um, did you know I've got a medical problem? It's, um, it's my back. I've got a great yellow streak running all the way up it, and there's no way I'm going to go to a place like that. So Ananias doesn't say, I'm not going, but he does express his reservations. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all those who call on your name. Yeah, big Saul's arrived. And it's interesting that Ananias first said to God, yes, Lord. Next time he drops the yes. Uh, Lord, (laughs) he's not saying no. Just one point. I'm not sure how much Ananias knew about what happened. There's clues there. But there's a bit I've left out. God has already got this thing in, in control. He's taken care of Saul. He's neutralised him, in a sense. And I may not have known all of that. And sometimes we don't always know the whole story. Is it... Well, go back about 200 years to a town called Winchester. Some of you may know it. Apparently, according to some Russians, you've got a really tall cathedral, has it? Oh. Salisbury. Oh, Salisbury, yeah. OK, let's not go to Salisbury. Let's go to Winchester. And... Uh, June the 19th, 1815, of course, you all know what happened then. No, oh. Okay. Uh, there was a system of semaphores went across Europe and Britain, and it was possible to get a message across several hundred miles in a day with a semaphore system, and people in Britain were waiting for a message. And on June the 19th, it appeared at Winchester. And the people at Winchester were waiting, and somebody had a series of big letters which they hung from the top of the cathedral to give you the message. And the one they'd been dreading appeared. It said, Wellington defeated. And then the clouds came down and everyone absolutely panicked. People started taking their money out of banks. They started panic buying. It's nothing new, is it? And then four hours later, The cloud lifted, and they read the end of the message. The French at Waterloo. Totally different message. Poor Ananias, panicking. He didn't know the whole story. I think many of us can think of situations where we've done that, haven't we? Was it wrong for Ananias to question God? Um, Two thoughts on that. Sometimes it is wrong, but other times it's not wrong to question saying I need clarification Lord a question is not necessarily a refusal it's saying Lord could you make it clearer to me and he goes on to explain to God well Lord I have heard now that is a very iffy phrase to begin a lot of things with I've heard sometimes we need to know things and we do need to hear things sometimes it's gossip Uh, I've been in a very difficult situation there's somebody I know knew who, I'll be polite, was a predatory male who got into various church situations and left a lot of victims behind. Uh, He passed out of my life at some point, but two years later, I came across him on a church website on the other side of the world. He was doing youth work in this church, and I saw his picture. He had three teenage girls on this arm, three teenage girls on that arm, and a big grin on his face and, yeah, what do you do? Is it gossip? Uh, we've been assured it'd be safe to grow that you need to pass that information on. So I did pass that information on for the sake of those six girls, if for nobody else. So sometimes we do need to listen, but other times, I'm not sure it's right. Uh, back in 1976, we had somebody came to a church I was at, a visitor, had been in this area, and he talked to a member of this church where I was at at the time, and then afterwards someone said, "Look, could you take him home for me?" So I said, "Yeah." He gets in the car and he said, "Would you believe it?" I said, "I don't know. What would I believe? I don't know what he's done." And this went on for ages, and I just sort of got off the conversation. And when we hear certain things, I always ask myself two questions. Is it true? And is it necessary? Because if either of those things, the answer is no, I don't think it's from God. I think it comes from another source. So we want to avoid gossip because gossip's like the coronavirus. It's a spiritual virus, and it gets into our churches, and we can be infected by it. You don't have to do this, but if any of you have been the victim of gossip, are you willing to put your hand up? <laughs> no yeah one or two of you have yeah thank you for your honesty this is what's worrying me if i were to ask how many of you have been victim of gossip in a church some of you would probably put your hands up then as well but the thing about viruses is is that we can not only be infected by them but we can pass those viruses on most of us have probably had coronavirus most of us will possibly have passed it on to somebody else whether we intended to or not so we need to be very careful not to let gossip be passed on. As far as I can see from Ananias, it wasn't gossip. And so he did actually respond. And God said to him in verse 15, go. Something lost in translation there. That word go is a command, and it is to Ananias personally, for him alone. Ananias, you go. Because God had chosen Ananias for this job And we see in the next bit that it wasn't just Ananias who'd been chosen. Um, Yeah, This man is my chosen instrument to do something very special. So God had chosen Saul, whatever Ananias might have thought about them. And what was said about Saul actually came true, because it says there, he must suffer for my name. Steve, if I switch this off, are you able to project that bit from Corinthians? This is what Paul would write later on. Um, Just coming slightly into that bit. Um, I've worked harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have laboured and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who's weak? And I don't feel weak. Who's led into sin? And I don't inwardly burn. Uh, Depending which authority you question, this was probably written about halfway through Paul's experiences. There's worse to come. We know there's four more shipwrecks at least. So this man was due to suffer. I think of some of the people who are in this church 20-something years ago when we arrived, and I wonder where they are spiritually now, and some seem to have just drifted away. I've asked myself, why do people drift away? And one reason, I think, is that we haven't always told them the whole story. We've offered them a Christianity where, yeah, all your problems will be solved. You, know, you get this blessing, you get that blessing. I think one thing we've never said to them... Is all who choose to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, and we need to give people the whole picture. When the persecution comes, Jesus spoke about it in the parable of the soils. The uh, you lose it, don't you? Too thinly rooted. So, I think we need to be a bit more honest. Verse 17. I'm sorry, my turn. Yeah, verse 17. Ananias went, he entered the house, and I think this was difficult for him. Can you imagine that you might be a Ukrainian refugee? Probably in this country or some other country, not your home, your home has been destroyed. Members of your family may have been murdered. And God comes along and says to you, President Putin is terminally ill. I want you to go to Moscow Lay your hands on him. Call him Brother Vladimir and heal him. Could you imagine? It's like, that's the sort of thing it was like for Ananias to have to do this. It would have taken a lot of forgiveness. And for many of us, who, when we're called to go to a place or a person or a situation, we can't do it without forgiving first. And there's no way we can get around that for forgiveness. It's got to be done. And it's probably bigger than we are Ultimately, we have to ask God to forgive and to do it through us. Um, I really do believe in justice. I I was driving through a village near here recently, and the speed limit was 30 miles an hour. So I slowed down to 30 miles an hour, and the guy behind me got very cross, and he put his foot down, and he accelerated round me at top speed straight into a police radar trap, and I was so (laughs) delighted. LAUGHTER Justice. Um, I don't think I should have been that delighted, actually, for the poor guy. You know, Jesus came full of grace and truth. I'm very good at coming along with condemnation and truth (laughs) and uh, feeling very anti-people. It's very hard to love certain people. And recently I was looking at the news about Ukraine, and I just saw, you know, do do you remember those pictures on the television, all those Russian tanks going up I was going yes got one and then I stopped and thought about it and God I felt Jesus saying I'm not saying yes got one that wasn't a computer game that was six constrips going to a Christless existence shall I carry on and uh, we'll manage actually could we just stop Agnes, you're leading. Could you pray for the situation we're facing at the moment? No, Agnes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Steve. Shall we as a church just pray? Father, just pray um, that you be with us. I pray you be with Chris at this time. Father, I just pray again for your healing hand. uh, Just bless him. In your name. Amen. 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 Carry on. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I felt Jesus was saying, you know, there's six conscripts gone to Christless eternity. Ananias wasn't delighted that Paul had been knocked for six. He actually forgave and prayed for him. And the result was, there was a miracle. Saul was healed, baptised within days. He was preaching. Ananias actually disappears from the story at this point. The job's done. Just like to leave you with a question mark, leave you with one or two questions. I do believe that things don't just happen in this world, that God calls us. To situations, and when he calls us, he gives us the tools to do the job. And sometimes, when we ask him to help and it doesn't happen, uh, we think that something's gone wrong. <laughs> it has gone wrong. Um, has anyone stolen my wife's hairspray? Now that is a serious question. <laughs> this church, uh, the Bible says, do not steal. You're the second person. <laughs> you're the second person who's nicked her hairspray. Um, my first attempt to do this talk, I used an a ink print, inkjet printer on an overhead transparency, and it was the wrong materials to use. And um, I thought, that I know the answer. Did you know if your ink runs, you can spray it with a hairspray and it fixes it? So I felt very pleased with myself. I went and sprayed my talk for today with my wife's hairspray. Now, I was using the wrong materials and the wrong equipment to treat it. Look what happened to my talk. It dissolved. But when I got the right equipment, it worked. And sometimes when I ask God to bless what I'm doing, he doesn't. It's because I'm not doing the right thing. He didn't ask me to do it in the first place. And uh, I often think that God says, I'm not going to bless what wasn't my idea. So. Before we find ourselves in circumstances we're not happy with and ask God to bless, can we just check that it is the circumstances that he actually wanted us to be in? It might also be that he doesn't want us to go to certain places, meet certain people and deal with them. There isn't another side to the coin. Is there a place where God said, look, I don't want you to go there. Graham, I don't want you to look at that on the internet. Graham, I don't want you to watch that TV program. Don't go there. Or he might be saying, Graham, this person is bad for you. Um, I had a nephew, and to be honest, his drug pusher was bad for him. He needed to separate himself from that person. Or certain circumstances that we get into, you know, should you be here? Is it the right place? But if he sends us to a place, no, when he sends us to places, there's a lovely phrase about the people on the way to, on the road to Emmaus. Jesus himself walked with them. I believe that whether Ananias went with the team or on his own, Jesus went in that room with him. In fact, Jesus was probably already there as well. <laughs> Jesus walks with us. We're never abandoned. We sang that song today. Never once did we ever walk alone. Only one person knew what it was to be abandoned by God, and that was Jesus. And because of that, we never will be. And sometimes, when a person has to go into a situation, God actually sent comes alongside them in someone else's person. Let me explain that. I was working in a law enforcement organisation, and the problem I came across was that we were more corrupt than the people that we were policing And when I wrote down my travelling expenses, I blew the cover on other people. Their expenses didn't line up with mine. And I was getting leaned on. Fortunately, there was another Christian in that organisation, a different department, but I went to him and I told him all my problems. And he, as someone in authority, went to the big white chief at the top of the organisation and said, Graham should not be treated like this. And I had to get out of the organisation. It wasn't possible to carry on working there. But I found afterwards that the big white chief had gone through that organisation with a tooth comb, and he'd cleaned it all up. It was so good that when I was being threatened by other people in the department, that person stood beside me. I believe Jesus stood beside me in that person there may be people where they're facing situations, they might need you to be Jesus and walk along beside them. When there's someone who might be in an Ananias situation, I don't want to see this person, I don't want to go to this place, I don't want to be involved in this organisation, can you go yeah. in there with them, be alongside them? There was one person who was in a similar situation, a lady called Esther, and You can read about her in the book of Esther. And her cousin said to her, who knows, for such a time as this you might have been called to this situation. And I believe each one of us is going to face situations where we don't want to be there. God's going to send us to people we don't want to mix with. And he's going to put us in circumstances where we don't want to be. But God's going to be there.